You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And we talk a lot about utility on this project, on this podcast. We talk a lot about, you know, value and use cases. But I don't think we do a great job of breaking down some of the, the categories that are already kind of popping and, and, and really proving uh, value, but aren't in the traditional, just, uh, I would say, community or PFP or gaming uh, aspect and uh, excited to have uh, my co-host Travi on the podcast. He is the host of Fired Up on the Blockchain, uh, the podcast. He's also a, a real close friend of mine now here in this amazing Web3 space. He's the founder of The Journey, which is also a project that I'm very blessed to be uh, advising and working with him on. And, you know, Travi, you know, you, whenever, you, know, you and I were going to jam out for this episode, and I was like, man, you know, someone that like has their finger on the pulse when it comes to, you know, music NFTs, your love for music. You know, we, we spend a lot of time geeking out over our love for music as, as a whole. Um, and then also just kind of your your love for art. I, I will say, uh, for those that don't know, like I, it wasn't really until you and I connected that I got as much exposed to as much one of one art uh, and artists in the space. Like I was probably I was pretty naive to um, a lot of the one of one art, like understanding what people were doing with some of the values, some of the nuances there. Uh, and of course now being a part of OG collective. So, uh, Travi, thanks for, uh, coming back on doing another co-host spot. And, uh, yeah, excited to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, music, art, NFTs, talk a little bit about, um, some you know, projects that we both love, but, uh, yeah, thanks for jumping back on. Great to be back here. Of course, fired up to be with you as always, but, uh, yeah, man, what, what is normal anymore in, in the NFT world and web three world? I think we all have people who, onboard us into understanding like different use cases or different types of projects that are out there. I mean, look, you know, I was thinking about some stuff this morning. Um, I was listening to your previous podcast and I was just like, this is a crazy, this really is a crazy world. Like on one hand, I'm like, yes, I got my Starbucks stamp. I'm about to get my next Starbucks stamp with one more, just bring in my refillable, uh, refillable cup. Then a money printer is going blur. <laughs> but you know, not for me. Then I'm burning some bears and 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 leveling up to like level two of the killer bears. And then you got the Dookie sewer pass things. Uh, one just listed for nearly four million dollars. If you look at current, um, you know, ether prices and stuff. So there's a lot of stuff going on out there, which, uh, to be honest, man, makes me super bullish. It just it's it's getting some people who are in this space who have been here a little bit more excited about things, and hopefully it'll open some things up as you and I kind of jam out and talk about the music, the art, and a whole bunch of the stuff that, you know, the blockchain has to offer. And uh, hopefully, you know, it'll excite some people. Yeah, you know, I, 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 it's such a good point of view, right? And I, it is funny just thinking about how random and different everything can be, right? Like, and just even the the podcast, you know, the the people that we've interviewed on the podcast, right? Like from Flyfish Club, who you, you connected us with, right? Like to Spotty Wi-Fi, who, you know, just uh, had an additional drop. Uh, to also then we have like a tequila company and then we had, you know, I just did a partnership with Guild of the, the Guardians, uh, uh, a mobile playing app. I have later on, I will, probably one of the next episodes uh, will be with a, a project um, that is is focusing on, um, you know, bringing education and clean water to Africa. And like, I mean, like just the, it's such a, a breath, but, you know, I think for this episode, one of the things for me that, you know, we often talk like from a uh, from a project founder perspective, or we talk about it from like a holistic perspective, but I wanted to think about it, you know, you, you're a big fan of a lot of music NFTs, but there are a lot of people that are like, Hey, there's not a lot of great ways for me to listen to this music that I buy. Right. We, when you and I have talked about that previously, and there are also people that are like, wait a second, I'm paying 75, $145. Like 
some of those people used to complain about spending $20 on a CD. They, you know, they would have 12 songs. We only usually liked one song and we spent $20 on it. So I'm curious for you as a collector, how are you looking at it from a, a standpoint of collecting and buying? Let's start with music NFTs. Uh, you know, both of us hold uh, a lot of similar, uh, probably almost all of the, uh, the, a lot of this exact same ones. Uh, but I'd love to hear your take on like, when you first thought of music NFTs, what was like the aha as a collector? And then what has you buying maybe the second version or the third version of, of different music NFTs that are out there? I think that's a fun way to get people's kind of minds wrapped around it. Music NFTs uh, have a multifaceted sort of uh, approach to it. So as a collector, um, it wasn't one of the very first things that brought me into the, the NFT world, but it was something that has kept me in the NFT world, especially if I'm not looking really to to spend as much money or, you know, to move things around during a, uh, a bear market, uh, starting my own brand with, you know, Tyler Vaughn, our Vaughn Go now, um, our, our artist and with you and Sally and all the things that I have planned. One of the things that's kept me excited are the music NFTs. So, you know, you mentioned like we complained about spending $20 on a CD. So if I complained about spending $20 on a CD, I might still have, have spent $200 to go see that artist live in concert. So what was, what's the difference there? Why would I, you know, is it about the money or is it about the experience? So there's a couple of things in place there, right? One thing that I specifically found that turned me off to spending so much money on CD. I mean, look, I was, you know, I had plenty of, of tapes. Remember, remember tapes? Oh yeah. Uh, the B side, right? Flip it to the B side, right? Or rewind it with your pencil when we were in class. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a tape fan. Yeah. And I remember even there was like, buy these three, three singles uh three tape singles uh, oh yeah for, for like 9.99 and at the we had the wall was was where we bought it but, i don't know why but paula abdul's tape came to my mind which i'm not even sure i should have openly admit that but like i can picture her tape cover it was it's funny i can picture hers and arrested development like those are two yeah. those are two tapes that i know for a fact that i bought i own and i think it was like one of those like i owned like tennessee by arrested development and like i just bought the single right and uh and it's funny because you know, like i you, you brought up like even just like that like, I mean, I worked at, a, I was a DJ at a skating rink and part of my job was Tuesday mornings at 10 AM. I would go to the mall, wait in front of the, the CD place to run the, roll the gate up in the mall. And for those that don't know what a mall is, I know most of you don't know what that is, um, <laughs> that, you know, and then I would buy like the Tuesday morning drops, right? Like, and I, and almost all of them were a bunch of CDs that had one hitters on it. Right. Like, and we had like the zip drives for a while, but like, um, but, but man, you just hit that point on like, and I'm, I'm gonna let you finish like where you're going. But like, as soon as you said, like, like, I mean, I've, I mean, I've been to, I mean, 50 plus Dave Matthews bands concerts, right? I own all of his CDs. Like why the hell would I spend? I fly. I fly, I've flown to Seattle, flown to Colorado. I mean, I've flown all over to watch Dave Matthews and he plays the same damn music that I was already on my fuck on the CD. And in some cases, you know, like some bands are great live. Uh, I think Dave Matthews is one of the very best top of the top. Other bands aren't actually as amazing live, but it's fun to listen with others. But when you said that, I was like, man, there is such a gap because I've easily spent, I mean, probably $20,000 going to Dave Matthew Band's concerts over the years. Um, yet I've only probably spent $300 on, on CDs uh, in that sense. Um, wow, it's such, a, it's such an aha moment. Yeah, go ahead. Continue on that. that well, I mean, think about it. Most people spend less on, on an artist than that. I think, you know, you and I just spoke right. with, with Spotty recently. And if anybody out there doesn't know Spotty, just listen to any of the conversations Fanzo and I have ever had because we always bring him up as a great use case, not just in music, but somebody who really, like, understands how to give back to their holders, especially Genesis holders. whole lot of things going on there with live access and um, and claiming, like, records and merchandise and stuff like that but it all goes back to the that that question you asked me like the twenty dollars that we would spend did not go to the artist the twenty dollars that we spend what nineteen dollars and something cents would not go to the artist of that twenty dollars so i remember being a kid um you know and those things didn't dawn on me right when you're when you're little you just yeah, you just you know you're just happy to go to the mall maybe Maybe you, uh, you know, got an A on a test or a B plus, yep. depending on the type of kid you were. And maybe like you got 10 bucks and you saved up for like the month and you go out. And, um, you know, Thank I God remember my parents weren't rewarding for A's. I would have had no CDs. Uh, my parents, <laughs> my parents rewarded for a little bit lower grades. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, we all had target behaviors that we were going for. <laughs> but I think in, in that conversation, right, I, re I remember reading an article. Um, and the first one I remember reading, I, I'm sure I read some before, but the first one I remember reading was about TLC, right? The, the R&B uh, group from the 90s. And I remember reading how the three of them split like whatever, like a fraction of a percent or like maybe 1% or whatever, some crazy low number um, with, for for their for, for the sales of, of their, of their things. And like, you know, as time went on, you hear about the web two streaming platforms, which give a lot of us access, but we're realizing, wow, like for how many thousands or how many millions of streams is, is, is that buying this artist, even a sandwich? Like, is this person able to pay the rent with it? The answer is no. Right. So right. if we, if music has an impact on you or art has an impact on you the way that music has had an impact on me then you know i think to some degree like at different points in my life and you and i chatted about this a couple of times like music kind of saved my life in certain points mm -hmm. like pulling on the, the bob marley um you know and even like growing up there were different elements different things music for us really there's a lot of memories tied to it but there's also it, it helps help us helps us heal it helps us when we're in pain. It helps us when we're angry. It helps us even when we're happy. And imagine the moments in life where there wasn't any music. Mm. Uh, imagine those moments, <laughs> those moments in life, right? The birthday parties, the drive, the long drives in the car, all of those things. Imagine if, if those artists did not exist, right? Yep. And what was happening was I, we were starting to see a lot of those artists were not getting paid and they some of them kind of stopped existing as artists. So mm -hmm. um, I made I made a point to see more live artists like even if, you know, you people would might think like you're overpaying for a concert ticket if you want to have a great seat, like whatever. But that's that's their profession. Like that's their career. Like we all want to get paid for our work. But now we have an opportunity to support the artists where like most of the money or, you know, however they, they do their splits from their contract, right. Producer guest spots, whatever. Um, we're able to support the artists in a very real way. And what's really cool is that they see us now, like they see us supporting them. They see through the blockchain who their holders are and they could give, you know, great things back to us. They could give us access to another NFT. They could give us access to a show and, you know, and, and, and we're a part of this career with them. We're part of this thing. So, you know, you, you, you mentioned OAR. Um, you know, I've, I saw them over the summer, actually, with uh, Dispatch and G-Love. And that Dispatch. actually led Oh, man, those all three. I've, all, I've seen all three of them in concert, and I love all three of those individually. That, I was so jealous when you texted me that you were at that, that concert. Well, what's even crazier about that? So I was texting you, right, from my, my wife and I were just chilling in the parking lot. Like, we were having our own debate over, like, who's the bigger band? Is it, you know, Dispatch or is it OAR? And then um, you were like, well, popularity wise is one, but musically used in. So there, there's, there's a lot of fun things you can do with it. Right. But had you been on the ride with them from the very beginning, you would have a lot of ways to prove to your friends. We know you're a futurist, right? But like, I've been a musical futurist and all of my friends joked. It was just like, Travi, like, hey, have you ever heard of this band Revolution? Like, I think they're going to be pretty big one day. I'm like, bro, I've been listening to Revolution since like 2008 or nine or whatever. And it's just one of those things. It's just like, I don't I don't need to prove to you anymore because now the blockchain can prove to you. But what was really funny, actually, about that concert was I had a chance to meet G-Love and we were just chatting about NFTs because Jay Alders, who's a fine artist from from my neck of the woods, he and, and G-Love uh, collaborated on some things. And like a couple of weeks later, G Love wound up on my podcast because he was putting out a music NFT and it just it just like kept on growing. And I just think it's a way for us to, you know, think how much money people spend on Amazon and things that they're, you know, that who, who knows the, the things that we're spending money on these days. But yeah, what I really like about it is we're able to support people in a very real way. And those those are all kind of part of those things that started bubbling up the idea for, you know, the eventual creation of the journey. But there's there's a whole lot that goes into music nfts besides playing the music and now that you've got some of the sound things that we've talked about with spotty with what sound.xyz is going to be doing it's going to kind of be more of like an app where you can actually play the music from instead of just having to toggle through your open c so there's a lot of a lot of advancements that are being made through that but now you get to own it you get to trade it you get to collect it prove you were there and claim a whole bunch of cool stuff along the way 
Yeah, I think that's such a, you know, I, mean, I, I love the idea of saying like I was there at the beginning, right? And I mean, I've said this example a bajillion times on this podcast, but I mean, my when I log into the warehouse for Dave Matthews, it says member since 2002. It literally says at the very top and it has my member ID. And like, I take pride in that. Like every year when that membership due comes, like I haven't seen Dave Matthews uh, in three years, right? Or four years, three years. Um, but I still pay my, uh, I think it's 199 or 149 a year uh, for my membership access, right? It gives me a little bit of discount on merch, uh, a little bit of discount on, uh, you know, I get tickets ahead of everybody else because everything sells out so damn uh, quick. But like, I don't get, my, I mean, I get preferential, quote unquote, preferential treatment earlier access based on the year you started. But like, there's no like marketplace for like reselling and like, and I, and I don't want to like make it about the money side, but like, it's always something that people are like, well, Brian, like, like you get the music, but then like, are you selling it? Like, how does all that work? And I think it's important to be like, if you get a CD that you love, you're not looking at that CD saying it's only valuable if I can eventually resell that to somebody else, right? Like, and, and like, and we grew up in the Napster space. Like, I was, I was on the other side of the extreme. Like, I was ripping off every musician uh, that existed. It was my first entrepreneur job ever. Was being, uh, you know, selling CDs out of my dorm room uh, in 1999. And, and, and I'll say like, so like, I love the idea that says like, hey, I can own this and say that I was there, right? Because let's face it, if you had an NFT and saw Metallica the first two years that they came out, right? If you, uh, you know, like one of the bands I remember seeing one of their first concerts ever was Steel Pulse, uh, you know, a reggae band that, and I remember, and I remember it so clearly that we were, we of course were, we were down at the boathouse in Virginia Beach. Uh, you know, it was, there was more smoke in that place than there was anything else. Uh, and then we were hanging out in the parking lot and I watched the guys get out of, walk out the back of the boathouse at like three in the morning. Uh, I don't remember how old I was. I might've been like 17. I probably told my parents I was staying at a friend's house or something. Um, and then I met like the band and they were there. And I remember them saying, like they were all sharing a room at a holiday inn. And I was like, dude, like that's not a really good holiday inn in Norfolk. Like I was like, I know where, like I know where, and I remember it like hitting me. Cause you mentioned like, I mean, at that age, I didn't give, like, I didn't care how much the artist got. Like, if I could rip a CD, if I could, someone could give me the, you know, we, we were dubbing tapes, right? Like, holding down the record buttons on, on, on the uh, boom boxes to, to dub a tape. But I remember feeling like, wait a second, like, these dudes just killed it, gave me an experience for two hours. Their music is in my ear holes on a regular basis. And yet they can't even, like, they had a state of holiday in that I would not have, like, recommended. And I remember that moment being like, man. And so, like, I remember, like, to your point, I went and bought their album. Like, the next, like, I mean, I think I owned, I owned every CD of theirs. Because every time my head was like, I just want to buy the rest of them, even if I don't like the rest of their music. It was that first one. But then on top of it, like, the idea of, like, ownership in that way, right? There's the other version of this to be like, Hey, what else can they build on there? Right. And Sammy Ariega, who we had on the podcast, Spotty, who we had with the podcast, Violetta, who we had on the podcast, and they've also been on your podcast as well. We'll, we'll link your podcast in the show notes because I think I love just hearing the artist approach. But like Sammy and Violetta were both quitting, you know, um, music until they, and then they were able, you know, they have millions of streams on Spotify, yet selling NFTs for one day, they made more money off of that. Right. Spotty, he, not, he wasn't going to quit. He did quit, right? He went and worked the nine to five and it wasn't until NFTs unlocked the idea like, wait a second, maybe I could do this again full time. And now he's got shout outs and one with Snoop Dogg, right? Like, I mean, like, holy, holy hell. But I also think of this in that idea of like, not only blogging, like where were you at and like what you own, but like, I was thinking about it when, you know, both of us love being dads, right? And this idea of like passing down. And, and I, I was joking with my daughters the other day they were like, dad, you know, most dads of their friends don't want to listen to Taylor Swift in the car on repeat. And I am a thousand percent okay with that because I am a Swifty uh, at heart. And I looked at my daughters and I was like, just so you know, I despise the Beach Boys, not because of the Beach Boys I despise, but because my dad, that's the only, like my dad refused to play any, like he would not play Vanilla Ice. He would, of course, he would not play Wu-Tang. I remember he found Wu-Tang in the CD player of his car one time because I had driven it when I was 16. And uh, from, all of a sudden out the window, I was like, Dad, what was that? And he was like, that crap music that was just in your thing. And like Wu-Tang, like the forever double CD, one of them went right out the window. My dad was like, you are not listening to that garbage. I'm shedding a tear. Beach Boys and Wu-Tang are, are just two of America's national treasures. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and I mean, right there is the same, right? And like, but the funny thing about that was like, 
being able to say like, Hey, I was there. or I was supported. And, and we talked about this, like in, uh, when uh, this episode with Jordash, right? Like he, he said, he went to the, the uh, concert with the weekend and he's like, his proof of it is like a selfie with him with his like peace sign, like, yo, what's up. But how cool would it be that we can have a catalog of artists that we support those that we like kind of belong to. And I tie it a little bit to like American Idol, which is a weird segue in that conversation. But like, I love American Idol artists because I got to find their story. I got to vote them to be like who they are. And let's face it, none of them probably would have ever been anything if it wasn't for that show. And let's face it, I mean, we have the, the Carrie Underwoods, the, the, you know, Kelly Clarkson, the, you know, Ruben Stutter, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Philip, uh, Philip Phillips. I mean, I can name, I mean, the amount of, music that I listened to that came from American Idol. And in a way, like I actually tie artists NFTs to like kind of the 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 American Idol with actually like the financial component, right? Like being able to now be along there. And I know like Violetta, if you hold a certain amount of hers, you get access to a concert. I know if you own a couple of uh, Sammy's, you get a free show every Sunday. I mean, think about all of your favorite bands, anyone that's listening to this. Imagine if they were giving free shows and zoom calls and this access. So I love that you, you kind of tied that in. Now I am curious when you're, when you're looking at buying like a second NFT of an artist or shout out to Violetta, uh, who, you know, this episode will come out on the, on uh, the day that her, her next album drops. And we both, you know, have big pieces on her, uh, you know, uh, equation, but like one of, you know, one of us, part of us wants to be like, we want to empower creators to do what creators do best create. At the same time, we're like, it would be nice that if I got some Benny, some benefits, some bennies for holding multiple NFTs, right? Like when I open my my music NFT library on OpenSea, you know, I think I, I think I now have like 14 uh, music NFTs, which very proud to have that that catalog. But there is something to be said about like it's cool to own one, but like how are people building on it? So how are you? As someone that you know, I, I heard your interview with Spotty. I, I shared the stage with you, and I loved your your your, your appreciation for his craft. I mean, you knew every, you, you, you were, you were talking to him about certain, uh, you know, certain lines, certain riffs in, uh, in his song. And like, kind of, it was just such a cool moment, but how are you looking at like continuing to buy an artist, a second one? And how should people right now look at like, if they don't own the original NFT that a musician dropped, should they own a collab? Should they buy the lower entry point? How are you identifying like, where you want to continue to support artists uh, in that kind of NFT space? It's a good question. Um, there's a lot of ways you can support an artist in the NFT space. I think that the artists that we've mentioned so far, um, I've seen uh, almost like a menu, almost like a flow chart of things that you could do to gamify your, your tokens that you collect. So that's a way that they keep it interesting. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little different than, than a lot of other people. Um, I've, I, I like the gamification as a concept. Um, I've been kind of doing it a little bit more, the the burning and, and the claiming and that stuff. But um, that wasn't that wasn't really something that excited me on a personal level. But but I understand how it excites a lot of collectors out there, which is why we're implementing some of that um, in with the journey as well. But you know, if you look at Spotty's website, right, he says he shows on there if you collect a certain a certain amount of the the singles, then you could redeem them for an entire album, right? Um, or a physical album, right? Sammy on his has an entire menu where you could have like a certain amount of, of types of songs or certain traits. Um, and some of them you can collect multiple of, and that'll unlock additional utility. He's also got something called the pulse pass that when you pair it up, it'll really, it's kind of like the key to unlocking the utility. So Sammy's got, you know, so many different versions of pixelated that if you collect multiple versions of it, that'll give you access to X, Y, or Z, right? And some of that does include um, like private um, private concerts, right? Zoom concerts and that kind of stuff. Um, and same same with Ray. Um, Ray Isla with, with her rock collection, there's, there's different hands uh, in the picture. So some of those hands unlock different utility. Then if you've got a certain amount of, you know, the, the different song titles that'll unlock other utility. Um, there's frames that'll go around the edges of, of each of the tokens. So if you collect, a certain amount of frames that unlocks additional utility. Um, there's a lot that these artists are doing to try to make it fun for the holders, but you know, and maximize the reason for people to continue to collect. Um, but for me, like I think 
I think there's a couple things that you can do um, if you're a collector, but I do think you should, if, if there's somebody that you really support, you should try to get involved with their Genesis token. Um, you could certainly support them by picking up one of their, their later pieces. But I think that being a part of the ride from the beginning is not only a great way to prove that you were there, but it's a great way for that artist to prove that you were there. So when they're continuing to do drops and things like that, Yes, a lot of them do like to give certain access or maybe like spin the wheel and, and see like which of uh, the, the token IDs win this particular prize that we're giving out, merch or, you know, another NFT. But what you primarily will see, and V's doing this too, um, if you've got one of her originals, you know, you, you, you're getting an airdrop of the new song. That's, or then so, something, some, I think there's five songs on her new um, EP. So I, I highly recommend if there's someone that you believe in getting their Genesis collection, I'm, you know, the theme song fired up for fired up on the blockchain with Travi talked about this before. Um, Nax is a great producer and by owning one of, of those uh, for, I think it's like 0.03 or something like that on um, I am Nax dot uh, X, Y, Z. You could, get an airdrop of a new song at least once a month so there's a whole lot of things out there fanzo that that people have access to uh if they're collecting music nfts and i know you just stepped away so i'm just no no i I, I was listening i you know like um the that's what happens when doordash actually is faster than you expect him to be uh <laughs> your food gets that's here during a good a problem <laughs> uh and and well, anyhow um but you know, like the the other part of that you, that you said, right? Like, like for me, the gamification I love, right? And my first NFT that was a music NFT, actually, the first NFT I ever tweeted and said, "Wow, I can see the value," was actually Timberland's, uh, you know, ape shit one, um, because you know I remember buying it and it, it was like 0.2 ETH, which doesn't sound much, but this is 0.2 ETH in August of 2021 when ETH was 4K. <laughs> um, so this was I remember being like, "Holy hell!" But it was going to unlock additional songs and albums and collabs. They had a list of them, but it gave me the commercial rights to use it in anything that was mine, like full rights. And like, I know that they've kind of other projects have kind of adjusted and cause like that was probably a little bit too much. Um, and unfortunately like that project, you know, they haven't dropped additional uh, NFTs or collabs like after they, you know, the ape in production um, drop, but I've used the music here on the podcast. I've, I've, I've actually included a little bit in one of my presentations, which I would have never been able to do. The other thing that I really like is the idea that like not only different versions of the song, but the, the art aspect of like, you know, it's kind of like the, the album covers, right? Like I, for my daughters, um, I bought two of the Taylor Swift vinyls. Um, but of course I bought two and there comes with four to make the whole clock. And it sold out before I could buy the other two. And so, of course, now I'm looking on eBay to get try to get two more for this ridiculous clock, uh, which is going to cost me more than NFTs are. <laughs> and all I'm going to get is the vinyl one where I don't even have a record player in the house at the moment. I used to, but we broke it. But um, it also reminded me, like, like, when I think of Moonshot, like that song by Violetta, which I, I absolutely love. My daughters love it. You know, they'll request it in the, song, in the car. It's that that art also like has meaning, right? Like I know her dad, uh, you know, bought it, and like it's funny because when OAR did their um, one of their um, albums, and actually when Dave Matthews Band uh, did the Grugux Gang album, like that was actually a community art project. Like I remember that they like crowdsourced that, and it was like two different ones they combined together to make the the Grugux um, album uh, back in the day. And like, that's a, also an element of this, right? Like we can tap into, you know, with pixelated, you get the, you know, Sammy's pixelated art. You know, I have the digital heart, um, you know, one, we have the digital heart one in our, our collection as well. But that also ties into where I also wanted to kind of go this conversation from a collector perspective, because like one of one art, and I know like behind, I'm looking behind you and there's pictures framed and photos. But when I talk to people, like there are people in, that are listening to this podcast they will say, Brian, I love your AI art. Like it's freaking beautiful, but they don't see any reason to buy it, right? To own it digitally. Now I will tell you, and this is the first time I'm kind of talking about this. Um, I've reached out. I sent a, a very long email and a, and a um, I wouldn't even say it's a petition. What would I, I would say I, I sent like a, a RFP to mixed tiles and said, hey, what if we could work out a deal that anyone that bought my AI art would automatically get 
the mixed tile be sent to their house, right? So like, as soon as you bought my art, because that for me, part of it is like, I mean, I have it hanging, I have a couple of my pieces hanging out, you know, hanging above my head right now in like the small form. But like, I mean, I have someone that bought one of my pieces, actually this, the sunflower piece that's up above, um, someone that bought that piece and they blew it up like poster board style, uh, canvas, they put it on a canvas and it's hanging above their couch in their living room. And I was like, man, that's awesome. But there are a lot of people that are like, well, maybe, maybe they're like, I love that art, but I'm not, I'm not hanging up somewhere. Or like, I love the art, but I'm not even sure where I use it. Now you purchased one of my pieces, made it your podcast logo art, uh, which I, I you know, love you for that. Um, I got a message from Justin, shout out to Justin Lima, uh, who messaged me yesterday or day before uh, and was like, hey, I'm going to put one of your pieces on a t-shirt. Um, Dominic, who also is a, a collector of mine, uh, mentioned that he was going to, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to turn this into some merch. Like this, this logo means something to me. But I also think of it from like a one of one, like now that I've owned a bunch of Sabbath's pieces, the funny thing about it is I became the dude that I like could, was confused about in web two they would buy a bunch of art and they stuck it in a warehouse. They never ever hung it up. And I was like, why the hell would you just own random art pieces that you never even look at? And so I, I want for one, like I, right now on my, on the, my wallpaper of, of my monitor that I'm looking at right now, I have one of the Sabbath pieces. My favorite Sabbath piece, Ali Sabbath is now at my wallpaper on my, on my thing, because I was like, dude, I own it. And like, it's my, <laughs> I love the art. I'm curious how you're looking at that from like, I mean, you've bought into more art, art one-on-one art collections. Um, and I will tell you, like, I love following you and who you amplify. I love how OG Collective celebrates artists. I love how the journey is uh, celebrating artists. But what is your whole take? Like, for those that are kind of confused on why the hell would I buy a digital art piece, even if I love the art, like, they're like, well, then I got to print it out. And then if I print it out, is it like, and I sell the NFT, do I have to take down the printed art? Like there's like a real big disconnect there. Talk to me a little bit about like your affinity for one of one art and how you kind of looking at that whole space. So you don't have to print it out. <laughs> let me, let's, let's put that on a record. Um, if you've got some empty wall space and you want to fill it up or you're tired of looking at some of the stuff you have, you could, you can get an acrylic, you can get a whole ton of, of different ways. There's some great companies out there that um, specifically work um, to make your NFT, you know, come to life to go on your wall, but you don't have to put it on your wall. Um, you also, you know, uh, digital, you know, owning things digitally is what we are going to all be doing. Like you and I look at what, you know, and your daughter's playing Roblox and stuff. And, and we see what happens with Fortnite, and, and even back to like the games on your cell phone and even back on PS4, PS3, whatever, like you're buying, you're doing in-game purchases all the time. The only difference was, if I, if I purchased, I'm trying to think back. I had this conversation on a recent podcast. Um, Cause my wife doesn't let me play video games anymore. Cause we got two <laughs> babies. But when I was able to, I think one of the things I like to play was like those WWE, like the fighting games. Right. Uh -huh. And so like you, if you bought the game, it's probably the, probably the same for like for FIFA and NBA and uh, Madden and stuff like that. But I remember specifically with that game, you only had a certain amount of, of usable characters and a certain amount of arenas to play in, right? And over the course of the game, you can unlock it or you could just do in-game purchases and unlock all of them. The only difference was, what if you wanted to play in another system? Like, what if you wanted to get the next version the next year? Like, I, I remember even going back and, and putting that game in a couple years after and like all the stuff wasn't even like saved in there anymore. <laughs> so $64.99 just went right out the window. So the digital ownership component is something that, listen, that's, that's not going to be going anywhere. That's only going to be continuing. I think the question that you're asking is in terms of the art and, you know, how, how could we celebrate art and artists if we don't want to, you know, create a metaverse gallery or, you know, if we're not looking at our open sea that much. So I'm going to take it real one step forward, one step back and then two step forwards to end the conversation about the music, but moving into the one of one art. In 2015, an album sold that was called Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. It was a Wu-Tang oh, yeah. album. Yeah, it sold for $2 million. There was only yep. one of them, and it was physical. And yep. it, was, it was in this you know, <laughs> beautiful golden uh, <laughs> box, and yep. uh, somebody bought it, who then you know, eventually the government took it from, from that person, and that person ended up somewhere. Um, you know, yeah, they had Guantanamo Bay or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to get into that side of things, but I... But, that, that in itself, like no one had heard the album. There was the only publicity about it was that it was the only one. Mm -hmm. 
So what that's what made it special. And, and that's why he's he spent two million dollars on it, because of the fact that it was the only one. Now, was he looking at that as potential resellability? I'm going to go ahead and say probably not. Now, that's what we have to look at the art in the music world right now that we're in. Right. The the DGen and the DGen plays. And when I say DGen is lovingly because in right. my podcast is friends and DGen. So we're, right. we're all we're all one here. But we're looking, you, you know, that question that you asked me and, and the, the fact that the people are asking that um, a lot of them are thinking about it in terms of resaleability. Like, are is there going to be a market for it now? We don't know and we can't bet on if there's going to be a market for it, but we are betting on um, the community that we're building around it. Now, I'm not I don't use the term community loosely, but, you know, you mentioned in the Web2 space, like, why? Why do we buy art and keep it in the warehouse? Well, sometimes it's because you want to, you know, rub elbows with other like minded art collectors. And if I went into an art gallery and I purchased somebody's work, I, I know in the back of my mind, like maybe it'll increase in value and I could like maybe one day have an auction house sell it or something like that. But I'm, I'm there to get to know more about the art, the artist, the other collectors, like have, you know, have some champagne with them. Not, not to sound like whatever, but like yeah. that's literally what we're doing in Web3 with, with the art too. It's just, you know, we're wearing hats and hoodies while we do it. So I, there's a lot of art. And a lot of artists who have made their living already in Web2, and now that they found the blockchain to, to show it in, in a way that maybe, you know, maybe a lot of them learned graphic design in the past, but they're fine-tuning it through Procreate. They're fine-tuning you know, some 3D stuff with Blender. And there's a lot of reasons to continue to support art and artists. It's just a matter of, do you want to have a digital portfolio for yourself? And like, do you want to build that up? Or... Do you want to support the art and the artist? Or like you mentioned, Sabit, like you can network with other people who are like-minded collectors. And there's a lot of value in that, man, because as you and I talked about on previous episodes here, um, you get a you get a lot of value in the network that this network effect that is created through the the ownership and like-mindedness in these web three communities. So you know, I think that there's something special in, in one of one art. Um, I think that there's something special in, in not just feeling like the cool kid and owning the only one, but like, you know, surrounding our surrounding ourselves by that art and by that community. Like the next, for example, like uh, and, and I'll I'll stop with this with this um, rabbit hole. But, you know, Avril 15 is coming out with their season three. Um, they just finished a pre-allocation for that. Season one has a very high floor price. Um, if you own a one and a season two, you have access to season three, or you could have won a season three pre-allocation, which is just like their way of getting involved in their allow list. But those are all going to be one of ones. So, you know, Tim, Tim and Nathan, they're, they're making, I think it's like 350 one of ones. So it's not really, you know, a super generative collection, no shade to generative collections, but I just think there's different ways to look at the market and, you know, unless somebody offered me a, a high sum of ETH for like an Avril piece that I have, like to me, the the community that's built through the the like-minded collectors and the, and so many art appreciators um, by holding an Avril to me is worth a lot more than somebody just like trying to give me some ETH to purchase the one I bought. So it, it really kind of depends what you're thinking. But but yeah, I mean, you can see here I have I have framed art. It's not even on the wall right now. I'm like still trying to find places for things and. That's just how it goes. You know, you just, life is a collector. Yeah. You know, and you know, one of the things that I did, my, you know, I've been trying to open my daughter's eyes to like the art, not only my art, but the art that I purchased. Um, I actually found that my smart TV, my, I have a Samsung, you know, 60 inch TV. It has a wall. It has like their screensaver, right? Whenever it goes in the screensaver, I now I, I uploaded and connected it to the art that I have. Right. So I have a folder that's on my computer that it connects to. So every time like we hit pause on the computer, we walk away, it actually plays a lot of the art I own. And one of the things I tell my daughters, I'm like, I'm the only one that owns that exact piece. Right. Or that one is a one of 11 and I own one of those 11s. Right. And that is, there is something really kind of beautiful about that. Right. And, and I also think, you know, like, you know, as we value websites and we start thinking about, you know, what, it, what are the things that we own and like that we can take with us, right? Like the fact that, you know, like I saw, you know, gregarious, you know, one of our good buddies, uh, he bought one of my pieces because he does a, 
it, which is a really cool. He does a letter to his son every year. Um, and the one that he uh, bought from uh, my collection was uh, this heart one that he was talking about his heart uh, and how he's like, he's approached life differently. And that, that piece like related to that and was like, like that means like so much to me. Right. And I, and we'll also say like, kind of like music, I'm looking at my AI art right now, right. Where I have a couple different collections going. Uh, actually, I have a drop tonight on uh, known origin into our shades of ADHD collection. Um, like for me, the token of those are definitely going to unlock things, right? Like actually one of the things um, that I can probably say now because it, it'll be out by the time the podcast comes out is that like I have a really low entry um, NFT that I, I put up under the ADHD is piece. But what what that's going to be is that's going to kind of be like people's like kind of raffle ticket to be able to buy a couple of the other pieces. Like you can't buy a couple of these other pieces that I'm going to drop as one of ones unless you have like this raffle ticket. Now the raffle ticket's like 14 bucks. But for me, it's actually the piece that matters. Cause like this piece it's called spin cycle and it's, it like represents everything to me that ADHD is, which is like, you feel like a superhero, but you also feel like you just got out of a washing machine um, half the time, right. Where like, you don't know what up is down and like your, you know, your world is so different than like the world outside. And, and sometimes you're dizzy. Sometimes you have clarity, whatever that may be. Um, but I, I love that. You know, like you, like I was laughing when you were like, cause the network effect with digital ownership allows us to prove that we own it. The ability to prove that you own a bunch of, of art that's in some warehouse somewhere that's stored. That's a whole different, like you almost have to take, take people's word for it. Right. Or like there's some like random picture of like the, the, you know, it's the actual authentication that you bought it. Like, I mean, just like my dad with like sports cards, right? Like my dad has like on his phone, a picture of like when he got the, uh, his Joe Montana rookie card, uh, you know, validated by one of the, the sports cards companies. He has like a picture of that. Right. But it's not like actual ownership that can unlock things. And I, and I do think this is a place where we're going to go in the, in the future when people do buy a lot of this art, it's going to have that digital twin. It's going to have um, that NFT piece. The other thing that I just want to point out when I'm looking at the, a the mint 365 collection, they're the only projects the only let's say the only vertical that is not that is not less than what i bought it for is one of one art i mean i, I can say this boldly and 100 percent. i mean one of the pieces uh is actually from one of our guests eric Paré and uh kim henry we bought their piece um that they in that we bought one of their light uh photos for 0.2 eth um it, i believe there was 20 in their whole collection each was one of one to buy any of them, one one I think just sold uh, not too not too long ago for 1.8 ETH, right? So like like for me that like that and like this is from a like I bought that you know in June of last year, you know, and now it's worth that. And the funny thing is, of all of the pieces in that Mint 365 collection, that might be the one that I'm going to hate seeing leave my wallet the most because like I love like that that one that I picked this one photo it really just represents a lot for me. It has like, it's this like door into a new universe. It feels very futuristic. It has like this like light between behind Kim, who's the you know, female in the space. And, um, but like, I, I love the, just the idea of like the supporting, the, the amplifying, the connecting. The last part I wanted to kind of tap on for this episode was there's also like the collaboration element of bringing all these worlds together. And I know that, you know, OG Collective, who we both are, are members of, um, does that well. The journey is really focused on that, right, where you're not only buying art, but you're working to make sure that you're, you're funding art in the schools, but also bringing artists into the fold, right? You mentioned Tyler. Huge shout out to Tyler. I'm a huge fan of his uh, for all of the work that he's done, right? We, we excuse me, we have the Van Goghs in our uh, Mint 365 as well. Uh, so Tyler is in our, in our collection. Um, but talk to me a little bit about like when people like think about like, cause you said network effect, right. And part of this is like, how do you grow a community? How do you provide authority and build trust in this space? Uh, and really online as whole part of it is bringing people together, connecting. Like I tell everybody, like the thing that makes me happier than anything is connecting great people with great people to do great shit. Like that's the thing that I love the most. It's like my favorite thing. It's like what gives me the most joy. And in a way, owning someone's NFT, owning their art, and then being able to connect them with someone else or connect them with your community or bring them into the fold is really a beautiful masterpiece, pun intended, that I don't think is actually talked about enough. So music and art NFTs, 
like the power for collaboration and unlocking new network, new communities is pretty wild. Don't you think like that's, that's like an unsung aspect of this that I just don't think is highlighted enough. Right. So <clears throat> hashtag supporting artists means more than just supporting, um, you know, um, a fine artist, right? There's all different kinds of artists that we, that we can support. And that's one of the things that through this, the idea of the journey, the collaborations and the support of the artists are things that I truly care a lot about. Um, I'm going to drop alpha here just for the NFT 365 listeners, because I'd never, I've never done this before. Um, the journey, I'll tell a little bit more about what it is and then a little bit more about, you know, how people could get involved with it. Um, if they haven't learned about it yet, but the, the idea that you gave earlier about American Idol and following somebody along their path, right? What I'm doing and, and planning to do with the journey, and especially as we scale through future partnerships and drops and those things, is kind of starting even before that American Idol piece, continuing on with the American Idol piece, and then supporting when, when they are you know, selling their music or their art in a more of a professional way. So I'll, I'll give you those three pieces together. Yeah. The Cause journey... I don't have a, my, my Carrie Wood, Carrie Underwood, uh, you know, Ruben Stutter. I don't have a relationship with them now, but I felt like I did through those first two early points. So I, I love that you're, that you're going down that kind of down that path. Yeah. So think about Ruben Stuttered when he was young or Carrie Underwood when she was young, Clay Aiken with, you know, with the theater when, when he was young and imagine Justin Greeny, shout out to Justin Greeny, who is a, a dear friend of mine now who is American Idol as well. Runner up number two. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people have their money on him back yep. back then too. So, oh yeah. And he's up for, he's a, he lives up in your, uh, your neck of the woods. We, we should probably all three meet up sometime, but that's a whole side side conversation. That'd be cool. I have a feeling my wife would probably want to be present for that. But <laughs> Yeah. Um, he is a, he is a beautiful human. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, imagine them, you know, back in the day, if the programs were being cut from their schools that were, you know, in relation to the theaters and the arts and, and, and the singing and stuff like that. Now, I, and I've said this before, this is not happening everywhere, but having worked in the education system as a full-time teacher of kids with disabilities and behavioral disabilities, almost two decades, I saw a lot of things happen during that time. But I also worked with kids as a coach, as a camp counselor, as I worked at, uh, doing stuff through, through my town, special events. So like, I started that whole journey when I was 13 years old. I'm not 13 years old anymore, <laughs> but I've seen a lot of stuff change. And one of the things I saw change was uh, post pandemic, we've seen a lot of things change during that time. The kids, a lot of kids were still learning from home right during for zoom and Google meet classes. And then we all went back. I actually went back to teach, uh, right after that as well. And I saw that so much of the onus was being put on this recovery of learning loss, um, that, um, maybe, you know, I'm sure a lot of kids did have some learning loss if they didn't show up at their zoom classes, but it was assumed like it's September of that school year, which is in, in, uh, Jersey, where the kids go back to school, um, it was assumed that there was learning loss, right? There wasn't even a state test uh, to show if there was learning loss. So what they started to do was they started to move some of the funding around uh, for the things that were that was very inspiring for the kids, the arts, music, theater. I don't even know. I don't even think we had a theater program anymore. Um, and, and STEM was just kind of thing. So I was thinking about it from the Web3 side, STEM is training the future devs. The music program are, are training, you know, these future musicians, the Ruben Studdards, the Carrie Underwoods, right? Uh, the art programs, obviously, we've got a ton of amazing artists here. We mentioned Tyler and the Avril team and stuff. And I'm just, I was thinking so much about it. Like, it was, it started to really get on my nerves a little bit while I was still there. And then when I saw my own students, like, craving that outlet for that successful piece you know if when you have a, a learning disability in a way that a lot of the students i worked with did you know i would support them i'd have things in place for them a lot of that stuff i had to do and pay for on my own to give them outlets for the creativity but when i saw that like one specific kid um all he wanted was like an after school dance class that's all he wanted to do and then the next thing i knew um you know he just didn't want to come to school as often and this is one specific you know example but you know, in that area, the, it was a pretty dangerous area in the northern part of New Jersey. Um, not, you know, not I'm not going to say towns, but it was inner city in the inner city. So, you know, there's there's a lot of gang affiliation stuff. And you kind of understand, OK, like that's kind of how the households are. That's how some of these households were run. And 
um, you kind of had to just be have some sort of affiliation with a lot of these. Uh, you're kind of born into it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, there was something that the very that very you know next day where this kid, all he wanted was an after school program. Something happened where they they had just lost funding. That there something was going on with the, the some dance teacher, um, and the kid, you know, instead of going straight home from school and didn't have a place to really have an outlet for anything, uh, he got pulled into the streets and he he saw his. Uh, I don't this you know I'm just gonna put a warning out there. Um, just you know fast forward if you got your kids around, but you know he you know he got pulled into the streets and he he was okay, but he saw his. Um, his, you know, his cousin get, get shot dead right there because he got picked up to go to be part of like the crew that was meeting up for this specific, specific thing that I had been building. And like, this is the exact kid where I'm just like, I got to find programs for this kid. I have to find things for, for just a, a safe place for these kids to go. And then when they're old enough to make their own decisions and do things, people have to, people do what they have to do to, to provide for their families. So I'm not, I'm not going there on a personal level, but as a teacher, your heart aches your heart aches when it, when you're teaching kids to read and they're having a hard time reading. And then when you know that they're being pulled into stuff in the street. So that's when I said, if I ever do something on the blockchain, it's going to be specifically with kids just like these kids that I've been working with that I had in mind. And that's why the journey is such a powerful piece for my own personal journey. But really, I, I can't I can't allow, you know, that those kind of things to happen uh, when I'm looking at these kids and I see wow, he, this kid has a great flair for fashion. This kid, all he wants to do is sing. This kid wants to dance. This kid wants to act. This kid maybe will be a dev one day because they really, I don't know, they love 3D printing or like whatever the kids were into. I saw so much a spark in these kids' eyes and it just made me think of like these possibilities of, wow, if we could do something really amazing and use the blockchain to do it and show people out there that you know NFTs are could be used for good where you got wallets splitting, uh, going into the, the a grant fund, you got wallet splitting going into an artist support fund, and I figured, you know what? Let's let's really create that journey for them. Let's allow these kids to take the first steps on their journey. Start putting some money into that fund. Team up with some people; they can add to that fund. If we teamed up with a foundation; they're going to be putting more money into that fund as well. We'll be awarding our first grants coming up, um, hopefully in the spring, actually. And then we've got an artist support fund. And the thing for that is obviously you and I are supporters of artists, right? But it really verifies to the kids, hey, look, these artists are doing their thing right now by selling their work on the blockchain. Like the musicians out there and the artists out there are selling their work right now. Imagine if you stayed on the, on the right path, right? Imagine if you had a program. Imagine if you had a place to go after school that wasn't being defunded that you could really hone your craft or even just find something you're excited about that'll that'll keep you in school so then maybe the thing you do eventually decide to do you it, the, the light will spark for you and so it proves to them i myself travi and the journey are investing in their the, the first steps of their journey but also proving putting our money where our mouth is and proving to them you can do this look we're literally spending money on it right now so that's really the entire, like, that's what the journey is all about. But, you know, you and I think about the collaboration piece. We're, the journey is on the hug.xyz now. We're a part of the Disco Studios, which is an amazing, amazing just, like, conglomerate of these beautiful one-of-one -one artists that to, I'm still taken aback that we were invited to be part of that. Some of my favorite one-of-one -one artists and some generative artists who do one-of-one -one work are all housed in the disco studios. They have own, their own Discord, and that's where the Journey NFT is housed. But what I think is really important for listeners out there is this. We're all going to be spending our ETH on things. You could be buying lots of music like we talked about, PFPs. You can buy art. There's a lot of things out there. What I want to do is really do all the fun stuff, the gamification, right? Maybe blending some traits, giving the merch, rewarding the Genesis holders. But so far... I haven't really publicized a way for a lot of people to get involved in the journey. And now that we're at a point where we, we have about 50 or so that we, we would like to sell before we completely close the mint. So I'm right now opening the mint specifically if anybody from the NFT 365 community wants to get one. Then not only that, we're going to gift you a thank you as a second one. So why is it, why is it cool to have two? 
Well, first of all, there's snapshots for holding one, uh, for holding one uh, more than one at different points, right? So there's going to be stuff that you're able to claim. Just brought on a couple new merch partners yesterday. Um, working out, working some stuff out with with <laughs> with, with a coffee company too. There's a lot of fun stuff. But I think what's going to be cool too is the idea of, of blending traits. And um, I, you know, I don't I don't want to kind of go on too long because I know that you probably have some questions and stuff. But you know, I think the idea of having two that you could take a look at and say, wow, I really love the traits on this one. It's got a really cool hat, a really cool bling, or like maybe the shirt's really cool, but it might look better on this guy. There might be an opportunity to say, I'm going to pick two traits. I'm going to swap them. And what that might allow is for somebody to build a little bit more of their, you know, the beautiful piece that either they want to create for themselves, maybe hold forever. Maybe it might be something that they, you know, they want to gift one to somebody else to allow them to have access to that community. Because, you know, if as long as you hold the Genesis piece, you're always going to have access to the more stuff. And then, of course, there'll be other options and ways that it'll help you claim things for the for the future drops but really the gamification man like we talked about earlier and the fun stuff that we want to do for holders and the claims and the merch and all that stuff in the community survey i just gave out man the number one answer of why people want to be part of the journey nft is community like that that had like a a, a four slash five average right scattered was the art how important is art to you and also kind of like also scattered but a very similar average was the amount of tokens in the project so that kind of tied for a second and a little bit lower was claiming merch in real life events so i still want to give people the ability to be able to claim things have access to things if, if they want it for them but we all know the reason why the journey exists right we know it exists to do these great things support these artists hashtag supporting artists uh, artists, musicians, and get these kids started in the right way. Uh, so ogjourney.com is right now where you can mint. And I'm only going to keep it open for a few days. And that's really just for your listeners. Well, our listeners. Love it. Love it, man. And I have to say, uh, this is a little bit like pat myself on the back so that I can pat everyone else in the back. The There, there are three, you know, I, I'm consulting with, uh, you know, currently, I think there's six projects total, total that I am uh, an advisor on uh, and, and working with. Uh, and three of them right now are, are just, they're building and they're delivering value. And, you know, what you're doing with the journey, Travi, I absolutely love. I love the idea of the swapping of the traits. I love the idea of a second one. Uh, for those that want to jump in, definitely uh, jump in uh, on that. Um, and then we have, you know, Festival Pass, uh, who if you're in the Discord, if you hold 1093 NFT, you don't even have to buy the Festival Pass NFT, but if you want to, that's definitely an option. But you can actually connect your wallet uh, to your account on the Festival Pass website and earn credits to buy uh, music tickets, uh, you know, sporting events, uh, go to Broadway. Uh, we have a whole announcement in our Discord, so you can check that out on that one. And then Galactic Gaylords, uh, the other project, uh, they just dropped their mint and their initial non-binary mint. Uh, and I have to say, like, I mean... Those that have listened to the podcast, we've had a, we've had uh, Austin on, um, you know, for a couple of episodes, bringing people on the journey uh, with uh, with the Galactic Gaylords. Uh, their their mint is out. Uh, super excited, uh, you know, that people are jumping in. I know Travi, you're jumping in uh, with that one as well. But I think the the piece of it that I love about all three of these projects that I'm bringing up, right, from from Festival Pass to Galactic Gaylords to the Journey, is like all three of them, like it's great people with a great story, with a great mission, with, with ultimate value. And what I believe in is already proven trust of execution, proven trust of being in this space and delivering. I mean, Festival Past like, literally dropped their announcement of NFTs over a year ago. Austin approached me uh, almost a year ago to like this month um, to say, hey, Brian, I want to launch my own NFT project in the summer. Well, then we figured out that was like, hey, there's a lot of other moving parts. And it's almost a year later before he dropped it. Travi, you and I connected, you know, thankfully at NFT NYC and had that like hungover moment. We were already buds online, but we didn't get that, you know, that real connection until uh, we were hanging out in the lobby there. And then we got to, you know, uh, you know do that very hungover podcast episode, which turned into so much of our, our great friendship. And you've been delivering, showing up for people, supporting. And I, I just have to say, like, 
if we tie this whole thing in, right? Like music, art, mission, social good, caring about good people. I mean, these are all great opportunities right now for people to get in, support, celebrate, even if you can't financially support, right? Like amplifying some of these, uh, some of the content that's out there. And, and I will also say for those that, you know, in our community, you know, we had to migrate off of the ADHD coin. Um, we have the 1093 uh, NFTs, which, is, you know, we, our initial perk for 1093 NFT holders uh, being the festival pass, right? Like it's, it's, you don't have to own any other NFT. You hold the free 1093 NFT, which, um, you know, I gifted uh, to our first 10, uh, 1093 uh, holders of the ADHD coin. And I'll be doing some additional giveaways of that. Um, but it's also unlocked some collaborations, right? With things like what the journey's doing and what um, Galactic Gaylords are doing. And and I just have to say, like, Travi, I appreciate you doing that for, you know, our community. I love having you as a co-host. And I will just say for everyone that's out there, you know, part of the other part of this that we have not mentioned is that when... We talk about network effect, but there's something amazing about realizing that you are owning and holding NFTs that there are pe other people are holding that you respect in this space. Like, I'm just going to put this out there. If you go look at the journey on OpenSea and then you click on uh, activity and you scroll through the names on the wallets of the people that own that NFT, it is, a lot of that, it is the who's who of people that I want to surround myself with in this damn space. And that is a, that's a, that is a beautiful kind of uh, shortcut, beautiful map uh, into this arena. So Travi, this was a, a fun episode. I really love that we got to tie music, one-of-one one art, our own little mission. We got a little, you know, A side, B side tape uh, in there uh, as well. We also got to hear some alpha about the journey. Uh, I love what you're doing with your podcast. Uh, shout out to you as well. You've been able to use your network to reach out to some people that I don't have access to. Um, and they're going to be future guests on the podcast. We have some really cool names of people that I'm going to make everybody wait to hear uh, who they are that have already locked in their, their space to be recording on the podcast. And a lot of them are because Travis like, Hey, Fanzo, I want to, I think this person would be great. I'm going to reach out. And so you are a, a shining example of, of like that network effect being beneficial for me, but it's being a beneficial for everyone that's here because Travi being a co-host is bringing us guests that ultimately everyone here will benefit from. And that's kind of what this is all about. So uh, Travi, I'll let you have uh, kind of last words that we uh, close out this episode. And some of these guests are people that would have gotten me, a you know, some more listeners as well. But what, what I realized too, is like their story needs to be heard. You know, the, the conversation that, that you're going to have with them and, and hopefully, you know, with myself as a co-host, we can get a lot more value for the listeners out there than just, you know, hoping that they go over and subscribe to Fire It Up on the Blockchain with Travi. Um, and <laughs> it's a plug there. Um, but you know what? I mean, like, think about it, man. Like before we close up, like what, what are we doing in web three? Like why, why is we greater than me? Like, why did I not start a podcast and call it the angry teacher podcast? I started a podcast called fired up on the blockchain because we have to continue like, and trust me, look, it's a lot more exhausting in, in the real world to be the nice guy. It's a lot easier to be the bad guy. Hey, just ask. Just ask Ric Flair, just ask Hulk Hogan. Like they loved being the bad guy because it was a lot more fun and a lot easier for them. And I just think we're at a point now where there's there's a lot of bad guys out there, right? And if we is greater than me, then you know th that means that we're gonna build together. We're building in public together. We're on Twitter spaces together. I'm having calls with people who I absolutely love um, that I never thought I'd be able to sit and have a conversation with them, right? chat about the journey, chat about putting a board of directors together for the journey and where we're going to go with the grant programs and where we're going to go with the schools. And I'll leave you with this one last thing. If you go on ogjourney.com and you do support that, what I want you to realize is this, you're not buying an NFT for the sake of, of, of buying an NFT, um, you know, hoping that it goes up in value and you're flipping it. You're buying an NFT that's being split into a wonderful grant fund that we are creating for these kids many of them were living and work uh, living in an inner city where a lot of things are not working in their favor we're also creating a grant fund where you, some of the community members will be able to have a vote for when we do build our metaverse gallery we talked about not everybody wants a metaverse gallery just come to the journeys metaverse gallery and look at who we support there's a lot of reasons out there that people buy nfts i just think that sometimes sometimes we could do some good 
and we can use the blockchain to do it. And that's why I'm here, man. And that's why I'm always building. And that's why I'm always hitting you up in the text every day. Uh, and also shout out Jordash. Congratulations on, on the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you said the student, you said the NFL or Super Bowl wasn't rigged, but I'm not even an Eagles <laughs> fan, but the last two minutes, I'm sure uh, some people might disagree with that. Yeah, I know. Well, hey, but we have a Super Bowl champion as a previous guest of this podcast. Uh, just shout out to Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, Juju. That. Yeah, and uh, and I will say we're going to put uh, in the show notes the link to uh, Fired Up on Blockchain. Uh, I love Travi's angle on a lot of his interviews uh, and his approach to a lot of the guests that, that he's had. Uh, and he's had a lot of guests that we haven't had here on this podcast. So do me a favor, those listening, definitely go hit that and punch that subscribe button on your favorite app. Uh, and then do me one other solid, right? Like find the episode that you love and push that out there uh, on social, right? It doesn't cost us uh, any guai, any gas. It doesn't cost you $20 that it cost us for a CD. It doesn't cost us whatever it was, what, $12 or $8 for uh, the cassette tapes that we were buying back in the day. It's simply just kind of celebrating the great people and the great things. And uh, this is a lot of fun, Travi. I uh, really enjoy that we got to jam out a little bit. Uh, we've been doing a lot of co-interviewing together. Uh, but having this kind of opportunity for people to share and, and bleed in. And, and as I said, I kind of started the show. Uh, if Travi's getting involved in a project, uh, you know, Drew, who, of course, producer on the back end here, Drew is, is turned into our resident D-Gen. Um, so he's in projects. I'm like, okay, what is he flipping? If Travi's in projects, I'm like, what is he diamond handing? And I think that's just a testament to, uh, you know, kind of uh, what Travi uh, is showing up and meaning in this space right now. And uh, this was a lot of fun. So thanks, everybody, for checking out uh definitely check out some of the links uh in the show notes we have some we'll have some links from other those uh episodes that we mentioned uh also we'll put a link for violetta uh and her drop because she was one of our guests and we want to celebrate them as well so uh until uh next time my friends make it a great day cheers thank you for listening to nft 365 if you found this helpful let us know by leaving a review like subscribe share and do all of those good things Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.